do you remember back in the spring there was there was quite a quite a a verbal public uh, verbal battle that was going on between the Alberta government and, for example, the Sexual Assault Center here in Edmonton. We we talked with Mary Jane James uh, back in the spring about just some of the challenges that they were facing. That there were there were some funding concerns about how much money would be coming from the government in order to do all of the things uh, that that are needed to be done here in Edmonton to support sex assault survivors. So that seemed to die down for a little bit. It seemed like there was uh, there was enough of a deal and enough of an agreement to move forward. But has it made any kind of a difference? It still seems like there is a really long waiting list for uh, sex assault survivors to get uh, counseling, counseling that they need in order to continue on with their life in a, in a healthy manner. Mary Jane James from the Sex Assault Center here in Edmonton is once again joining us uh, this morning. Thank you. I appreciate your time. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. It's a Friday, heading into the long weekend, so obviously there's there's lots of smiles around for an awful lot of people, but certainly not everyone uh, by any stretch of the imagination. When I saw when I saw 17 months as a waiting time for for some sex assault survivors, or maybe most, you tell me, to get counseling, that it was a staggering number to me. Oh, it's staggering, but it is, it has reduced by a month since uh, when we spoke back in March or April. So we are slowly, slowly, you know, uh, attacking it for sure. But the problem is, Daryl, for every, say, 10 uh, people we get into counseling, there's twice that many calling for counseling. So we cannot keep a keep ahead of the demand and you know I don't think this issue is going anywhere and I don't expect the demand to diminish. So what we have to do on the other end is uh get our capacity increased and we're working really really hard on doing that now i do want to say mm-hmm. that that wait list is in our adult program we have okay. been successful in hiring more child and adolescent therapists so our wait list in that department thank goodness is down to about two to maybe four weeks so that's really awesome the adult program however is still really really bad in bad shape uh, explain to me, uh, from your point of view, is is the problem of sexual assault getting worse and so we see uh, more people coming and needing help, or is it simply that they're aware that they can go and get help, so that's sort of a positive that they, they know that they shouldn't be alone in this. Uh, and, and, and if, in fact, the incidents are increasing, what on earth can we point a finger at? So can you give me an idea as to what is the root cause of all these numbers? Well, that's a great question, and the answer is both. The uh, incidences are not going down. Look at what just happened, which just came forward with the Calgary Stampede mm-hmm. debacle. This is this is not going away, and the Calgary Stampede situation is just skimming the surface of what's underneath this problem. And it isn't about sex, if you will. It's about power and control and taking advantage of people who are in marginalized and vulnerable situations in whatever that means. So, but on the flip side, I think we're doing a better job provincially and nationally and all over the place to get the word out about sexual assault, sexual violence, how wrong it is, what consent is, etc., and that there is help available. So I think that is giving people the courage or more courage than they might have had to come forward and ask for help. 
that, that, that said, when they make that call to most sexual assault centers, not just in Alberta, but across Canada, mm-hmm. to get the help they need, they're faced with an unreasonable and unbearable wait list. So that's unacceptable. What do we do? I don't know. But I do know that if we do not focus on public education and at a really high level, starting from a very young age, that we will continue to have this problem. I want you to know, though, this is important for your listeners, 83 to 85% of sexual violence is, is perpetrated by someone the victim knows, loves, trusts, and or in a relationship with. So this isn't stranger danger we're talking about here. This isn't, you know, someone walking down the street and getting attacked by someone in a hoodie. This is this is happening between people who know each other or at least have some sort of relationship with. So this is the problem. People who are sexually assaulted, say by a family member or a coach mm-hmm. or a, you know a priest or whoever, the the difficulty with coming forward with that is being believed and being understood and not being blamed. So they stay silent. And, uh, you know, such as, again, the Calgary Stampede situation. Someone came forward with that story, a young boy, in 1988 and was not believed and was told that, you know, he couldn't ruin someone's reputation with false accusations. So we as a society have a big part to play in this, and we need to step up. And along uh, the line, since you brought up the Calgary Stampede situation, uh, there's a couple of prongs to that. As you mentioned, uh, wasn't believed. Now, there has been some some punishment to an individual down the road, but there are an awful lot of critics who say that that really the Stampede itself is not being called up on the carpet for this and that it should bear more responsibility or that other organizations, like with what happened with Hockey Canada, where all the funding ends up getting pulled, is there's not some kind of a punitive nature. That isn't happening at this moment we'll see if that changes uh, if you agree with that whole premise of they're being allowed to to sort of be in a different level or a different different uh, different sphere what does that say to potential sexual assault victims about uh, battling against that kind of power it, it, it's it's almost un, un, undoable uh, you're you're a 14 year old kid or a 25 year old woman or anything in between and beyond and you've got someone in power, either it's a grandfather or, a, you know, as I say, a teacher, someone who has some sort of control over you and or you're scared that, you know, you're scared to wreck a family situation. You're scared that someone's going to get fired. You're scared that you're going to lose your job, which happens in an awful lot of situations. So, you know, it is leadership starts at the top to, to put it, you know, obviously. Um, and if that if that support is not there for that person when they initially come forward to mm-hmm. tell their story, it is quite likely that they'll never tell another soul until the trauma infests their soul to such a level that everything around them and everything yeah. about their life starts to collapse. And we see this 
every day. We've been talking about this long delay for adults, and you did point out, Mary Jane, that uh, for kids, it's two to four weeks waiting for counselling, which to me still seems like a little while, but obviously much better than the 17 months that we have for adult sex assault survivors. Uh, but we were talking before the, before the break about, you know, what do you do about this? And, and it sounds like you're a little bit at a loss as to, as to really how to attack what is a pretty high mountain. Well, <clears throat> I'm, I don't have a magic wand, unfortunately. I wish I did. But I think comprehensive, mandatory education in the schools, every school, starting at a very young age with, of course, age-appropriate, topic-specific education about things like who do you tell, what is a secret, what are your body parts? What is a healthy relationship? What is good touching, bad touching? All those things are really important because, like I said, some of these kids are coming from a home where the abuse is happening. So they don't know who to tell. They don't know what to tell. There's often all kinds of threats, um, you know, over, you know, against them and, and saying, you know, if you tell, then mommy and daddy are going to get a divorce or, I'm going to get fired, or this is our little secret. You know, Daryl, something that's really interesting and and really terrifying, actually, is that well over 80% of the kids living on the streets right now, homeless and addicted to drugs and, you know, in absolute, you know, absolute horrible conditions, are escaping an environment that is more dangerous and more traumatizing than the one they're experiencing on the streets. Yeah, and that makes sense. It's it's horrible where they're at, but it's better than what they came from, which I agree with you. It's an absolutely staggering thought. And these are kids. They're not equipped. Uh, You can understand how easily you could get caught up in that because you're not equipped at that age. I don't know that a lot of people are equipped at any age, but especially at that age to, to be able to be not strong enough, but to recognize that you have autonomy over yourself or that you should. Exactly. And we also need at the justice system level and not to be throwing anyone under the bus because I know they have a job to do. We have a job to do. Everybody has a part to play in this, but we need to start as a society believing when someone tells you something happens to them, believe them. Let the justice system do their job, but please do your job. Get these people who are causing such harm to people in our world behind bars where they belong. Get them the help that they need. And I will say this, Daryl, hurt people hurt people. And by that I mean, and this isn't by any stretch 100%, but a large percentage of people who perpetrate harm against others have been perpetrated against themselves. And it's trauma that's never been healed. It's what they know. And then they just project that forward, that hurt, that unresolved, unhealed trauma onto someone else. So for every person that we can help, and heal that trauma, that's most likely at least several more people because people don't usually perpetrate once and one and done. It's usually against several. There's usually several incidences of sexual assault, sexual abuse that occur perhaps never being, being caught, maybe get caught after several people have been harmed. So it's simple math to me 
And we have to stop trying to fix the problem once the problem ends up with loss of employment, loss of health, homeless, addictions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Put the money where it needs to be, when it needs to be, so that we don't have a 17-month wait list. Now, I will say the GOA has stepped forward and provided funding, but I think they think that that should just eliminate the wait list. It's not going to eliminate the wait list until people stop harming other people. And it basically allows you to tread water in the meantime. I agree. Prevention, obviously, is key. If you can stop it from ever happening or reduce uh, the the length of time that that it can happen, that's a big key. But in the meantime, you still have the 17 months. What do you do about that? Uh, We're almost out of time, and I know it's it's a tough one to try and hit, but what do you do about the 17-month backlog for adults, for sex assault adults? Survivors. We have we have six new therapists, finally, adult therapists who are starting with us in September. They will immediately start our mandate for all our clinicians, and we'll have a, a team of 23 by then. They see five clients a day, every day. Yeah. So you can do the math on that. With the new therapists, we will be able to attack the existing wait list. And if no more clients came in, we'd have that wait list down to, you know, at least half or more. But the problem is they're still coming. Got it. So I don't know. Yeah, I know. It's a, it's, it's a complicated, multi-layered, but you've got to make some efforts and get, get it rolling and do our best. And I know that that's what you are doing at the Sexual Assault Centre of Edmonton. Really appreciate your time. Thank you for the clarity on this and, uh, and for your, uh, your, your perspective on it. Really appreciate talking to you. Always a pleasure, Daryl. Have a great day and a great weekend, too. Thanks. You too.